episodes. Hi there, today we have Siri Main here, and for those you don't know her, she's got a wonderful, wonderful BCBA exam prep. Uh, let her talk. How are you? I'm doing fine, thanks. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you get in the ABA field? Uh, sure. I mean, I got into ABA. Well, I got into ABA very, very early, but I got to where I am in ABA through a very circuitous route. I actually started out in ABA because I wanted to be a sports psychologist. Uh, my first interests were with working with positive coaching strategies. That's what I did my bachelor's thesis on. And then I went to the University of Manitoba to work with Gary Martin specifically because I wanted to do behavioral sports psychology. But I found out relatively quickly that the fact that I knew nothing about or and was not interested at all in any professional sports probably did not bode well for me <laughs> in terms of sports psychology as a very lucrative career. There's not a lot of money to be made working with, you know, young figure skaters and synchronized swimmers. So um, that that was fine. That got me into an excellent program and worked with some amazing people. Um, Gary Martin is just continues to be an inspiration to me and Joe Pear as well um, from my time there. But that also put me into a clinical psych program, which was not for me at the time. And so after that, um, I did a whole lot of other things for a while and eventually wound up back in the States. And since I had a master's degree in behavioral psychology, the obvious way for me to get a job was working with people with developmental disabilities, um, which is kind of the other half of what I was doing at the University of Manitoba. So started working with adults and pretty quickly uh, managed to get myself what is really the start of my career now, which was a job with Jim Partington and Marianne Powers and Mark Sundberg out in California in the mid-90s. Um, working for them with kids with autism and becoming ultimately the training director for Star School and Behavior Analysts, which was a, a massive boot camp in verbal behavior before anybody who was doing anything knew anything about verbal behavior. So that kind of launched the whole trajectory of what I've done since then, I guess. Can you tell us what you're currently working on right now? Other than, well, we know you know you have a successful business and mentoring a lot of BCBA. Some of my friends we talk about talk, we had a little conversation before the recording, and I actually some of my friends actually took the class, and wow. They are some wonderful BCBA. And other than that, what else are you working on? Well, that's uh, that's definitely the main part of what I do for paid work right now is the exam prep class and then providing supervision for people who are becoming BCBAs. And all of the supervision that I provide is by distance. And I pretty exclusively work with people who are in locations that don't have local resources for supervision. That was a decision that I made quite a long time ago that that uh, 
my place in the field partly was to be increasing capacity in places that needed some capacity. So I currently have ongoing clients for just like monthly supervision contact um, in India. Um, I have quite a few clients in India right now, and then I've had clients and have clients kind of all over the world. I am also now teaching for the Chicago Schools campus in D.C., which is pretty exciting. So I'm adjunct faculty there, and I'm teaching their verbal behavior class, which is hugely fun. And then the other huge part of what I'm doing right now, which is completely unpaid and costs me a tremendous amount of money, is that I am working on getting my PhD. After many, many, many years of working in the field, I went back to do my PhD uh, four years ago. And uh, so I'm continuing to work on that. I'm doing that through the National University of Ireland at Galway, um, which is a research-only program at the PhD level. And so I'm doing my research with clients, mostly clients here in the States, um, and a few new contacts that I've made here in the DC area. So... That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Do you have time to sleep? <laughs> well, everybody asks this question. I'm actually, I actually feel very fortunate in that um, I've, I've made some very values-based decisions in the last five years, and among them was ensuring that I had the flexibility in my paid work schedule and the flexibility in my non-paid work schedule to be able to do things like sleep and take care of my kid and have a life and those kinds of things. So I'm, I'm doing okay, although there are definitely times that are a little bit busier than others. Uh, great job. Congratulate, congratulations to you. Great job juggling. Great job giving back. I really like that, you know, you're doing good and earning a living or part of living for, you know, providing supervision to people that really need it. Yeah. And yet yeah, that, you know, thank you for doing that. Yeah, well, and that was, you know, and that's really, that's really important to me. Like I said, I'm, I've been making a lot of very values-based decisions, and, and that's a very strong value for me, you know, being able to give back to the community and being able to build capacity in a way that ensures quality of service and not just people getting, you know, getting the boxes ticked off on their forms and stuff like that, so. The world should thank you for that. <laughs> I'm going to petition you to um, at the UN sometime if I ever get in or, you know, get Stanley to draw a new superhero to be you or something. We need some BCBA superhero. That's... Well, there's actually quite a few people out there doing some pretty amazing stuff, but thank you. Uh, well, get them on. I'll interview them too. So there you go. <laughs> Um, the next thing is, what's your Skinnerian message or a quote that's ABA related or ABA inspired? Um, I guess my favorite quote, and I actually don't know who said it. It's been attributed to lots of people, but it's that the rat is always right. You know, if you can just remember that, <laughs> you're going to go so far. There are no bad rats and crazy rats that aren't doing things just to piss you off. The rats are pretty much always acting in ways that are perfectly in accordance with the contingencies in their environment. And uh, if we can remember that, then we go a lot farther in terms of working with people in general 
in all settings. Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Walt Disney got it right. So we kind of go over these、uh, this question earlier. So when and why did you decide to get your BCBA? And do you remember the day that you got your BCBA? I absolutely remember the day that I got my BCBA.、Um, well, actually, no, I don't remember the day I got my BCBA. I remember the day that I got certified in California. As a California certified behavior analyst, because I took the first test that was offered in California when California sort of bought the rights to the BAC, well, what is now the BCBA exam from Florida, and my boss at the time. Was the professional standards chair for California, who was responsible for bringing the exam to California, and at the time also responsible for distributing the results to people. So she and I both took the exam、uh, at the same time, along with about twenty other people in California. And the day that the results came in, I was giving a workshop on functional analysis. And I told her, "You cannot call me to tell me the results if I failed, because I will not be able to go back into that workshop and tell anybody anything, because I will feel like a total fraud." So I made her promise that she would only call me if she had good news. And so she called me at lunchtime that day <laughs> and、mm. told me that I passed. And so I was able to carry on with my day.、Um, so I absolutely remember that. In terms of moving to becoming a BCBA, I should probably remember that because I was the professional standards chair when California shifted everybody to the board when the board took over national certification, and I actually. Physically called on the telephone every single California certificate in order to make sure that they transferred their certification to the national board. That is how few there were. Like I had a page of people, half of them I knew, and I just. Called everybody and said, "Do you have your forms in? Do you need any help filling out your forms?" So yeah, I guess I became a BCBA on that on whatever day it was that we transferred. Wow, I am gonna go, after this. I'm gonna go look up your、uh, your number. I mean, you're gonna be like one zero 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 one. Wow, one page. I mean, now I. I can put in any zip code, and there's gonna be like two hundred in every block、oh, yeah. in Los Angeles and California. I mean, any part of California. That's just strange. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, it was the beginning of certification. So, but that's a good thing. I mean, in some way, we get when we show that you know the qualification we have, the knowledge we have, and we there's some way to protect the clients. Mm-hmm. You know, know that you know not everyone can just come up and you can listen to some radio and and then all of a sudden it's like I'm behavioral therapist so and so I'm like,、uh, no, you're not. You're doing an infomercial on the radio and you're telling people you can deal with aggression, non-compliance. Yeah, that's.、Uh, can I have an operational definition for those? Yeah, strange. But now you, yeah, you're the one that I have to, you know, study so hard and get my. Letters. Oh well, I guess I thank you too. <laughs> well, now we know.、Um, number four, another question. I think we touched that too. Can you trace your ABA lineage? Well, I mean, I don't know. It kind of depends on. I I I've never actually thought of it that way. Yeah, you're welcome. I mean, I want to 
think of some wackier question that people are not going to ask you. I'm going to be the first. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, I grad school, you know, was I was working with Gary Martin and Joe Pear, and as soon as I saw this question, I was like, well, crap, I don't know where they came from. I know that Gary came from the University of Arizona, but then they were both amazing radical behaviorists, but I don't know where they sort of got got their creds. Um, you know, obviously, I learned a huge, tremendous amount from Mark Sundberg. I mean, in terms of my lineage and verbal behavior, you know, it really goes back to Mark, and obviously, Mark goes back to Jack Michael, and then Jack Michael goes back. So, um, yeah, that that would be that answer. <laughs> Yes. I could also say that my copy of Beyond Freedom and Dignity was my dad's. <laughs> Whoa. Wow, wow, wow. That's, that's... I was not a behavior analyst, but I went to the University of Alberta and somehow part of the graduate program at the University of Alberta in education included reading things like Beyond Freedom and Dignity. So, yeah. Wow. There's that. <laughs> now, well, you just got some royal blood lines somewhere, Arizona, <laughs> and you got... Uh, Mark Sundberg, wow. And your dad, that's that one's legit. I'm gonna look up the Arizona people after this. Let me just write that. <laughs> so I studied that, but just this is like part of Skinner's line, so you yeah, you're direct. What was your biggest success as a BCBA or working in the field? Well, you know, they, I saw that you had these questions about the biggest failure and the biggest success. And and I don't I don't know. I mean, in terms of the biggest success from the perspective of being a quote BCBA, you know, I, I kind of feel like it was being a part of that movement to establish the BCBA credential. I mean, being being a part of that in California when that was happening was just was super to, to me. It was really, but that was an important thing that I did um, and that I was a part of in in terms of success in my own career path. I mean, I don't know. I feel like there. I can't really point to one success or one failure. I don't really think about it that way. You know, like I really, there, there's just data, right? Like failure is just more data and success just means that you got to a point where you could move on to the next thing. So I don't, I don't know that I could say that there is a biggest failure or a biggest success you know, as a professional or, or in my career. I mean, I've helped loads of kids. I've worked with kids where I don't think I made much of a difference at all, but we used that and we found a better place for them to be where they did get helped. Yeah, I don't really think in those kind of terms. That's true. Well, I was going to come back to you, you know, if there's a biggest failure, then what would you do differently? Now I can do that. Ah. Now to move on to the forces with me moment. Is there an aha moment, the force with me it's with me moment, kind of like, you know, you feel like, hey, this ABA actually works. I like it. I know how to use that. Do you have, can you pinpoint that moment for me? Well, I think, I mean, I think that would go back, way, way back to why I got into ABA in the first place in terms of sports psychology. You know, I was also fortunate enough at to do my undergraduate work at the University of Victoria, which turned out to have an amazing array of behavioral undergrad classes at the time. I have no idea what it's like now, but um, taught by a very, very radical behaviorist. Um, and so kind of from the moment I took one of those classes, it all 
clicked and I was working as a coach at the time and it clicked with that. And, you know, there really wasn't any question. There was, there was no real, it was just all those moments. Like that whole class was those moments, you know? Whole <laughs> oh, class. So that was one of the greatest classes you ever taken. Just they, they were, soaking they were, away. The class, the definitely the undergrad classes that I had were very good. They were very solidly behavior analytic hmm. um, in a way that not certainly now I see a, a lot of classes that are that are not, you know, that are much more methodological. This was not methodological at all. This was radical from the get-go. Well, do you remember the professor's name by any chance? Do you think yeah, Lauren up- Acker. Not a famous guy, just a very solid... I don't even know if he's still alive. Hell, that was so long ago. He was practically retired by the time. And he came from Arizona, too, I think. Oh, it's like one big loss episode now. I know. He's retired. Wow. He was great. And there were a few. Bram Goldwater was there, too. And I think he's still there. He Did you... You know there's that computer program for shaping? You shape a rat. or you, There's a few of them now. Are you familiar with them? I can't remember what they're called now. But anyway... Bram Goldwater developed one, like, this is, like, way back in, this is, like, the late 80s. So, this is before, like, fancy <laughs> online web things. Um, and it was called Sydney the Slug. And we had to shape a slug to go in a straight line across a computer screen. Wow. So. you to look this up, dude. <laughs> You're gonna build a video game like that. Now you tell me that ABA and video games together. <laughs> I'm just telling people the other day that if I could build, if I, I know you know I can build Lego all day as my career. I would totally do that. Oh, now video games too. Wow, Lego and video game. Now I'm gonna do a workshop someday. Lego, video game, and ABA. There you go. Okay. Um, what is the most important thing? A BCBA should learn and master. I mean, th- that's such a hard question. Like, what is the most important thing? Do you, I mean, it depends on what depends on what you're doing as a BCBA. I guess we go past like, that testing part. Like, I mean, I could say something like, "You, I mean, you have to understand functional analysis," but that's an obvious answer. It's it's the ability to apply all of those principles of functional analysis to situations where you're not just sitting in a room with a kid trying to figure out the function of somebody's hitting behavior. You know, it's it's understanding that all behavior has a function, and it's understanding that you can analyze sources of antecedent control. You can analyze the, how that behavior is being maintained. I mean, it's back to you know my little quote at the beginning of the rat is always right. I mean, but that's. I mean, I don't under. I don't. Know. <laughs> no, I'll just throw it out there and see what For people one say. Thing, I mean, it is the thing. It is the analysis, right? I mean, it's not like, like that's what ABA is. That's almost like a t-shirt idea you just throw out. It is the analysis. <laughs> yeah, I'll just make that too. That's, you know, I'm just going to put a little credit on the little, little fine print at, you know, the very bottom and say, by Siri Ming. And... <laughs> I'm not I... the only one that said it. 
I do want to make my T-shirt. If you find this, you know, the rest of this podcast, like all I talk about is making T-shirts. So don't. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to sell T-shirts. Oh well. Well, since we talk about something BCBH learned, then we'll move on to what is the biggest misunderstanding term or procedure of ABA? Can you elaborate on that? Biggest misunderstanding. It depends on who you're talking about. I mean. The biggest misunderstanding outside the field, or the biggest yes. misunderstanding, the biggest misunderstanding yeah, throw, outside. Throw the field. With you, I'll take it. You know, we have all day. <laughs> I have to think about that one. Well, we'll do a part two someday. We'll, let me, yeah, let me come back to that. I mean, there's so many things that are misunderstood, but what would be something that would be actually something I heard was negative reinforcement. Definitely, well, that's, like, like, that's, that's like so laban though. Things up, right? But I mean, that's just that's a, that's a term, and yeah, it gets used wrong a lot. But lots of terms get used wrong a lot. That just happens to be the one that's the most out there, probably, in terms of people's awareness. Because I think everybody's really sensitive to the use of that term because it's one of the ones that keeps getting brought up. Is everybody is do, is making is assuming that this is wrong. I mean, when we look at, I mean, we could also look at misunderstandings about verbal behavior. I mean, there's huge. There's been. Most of the criticisms about verbal behavior are based on a misunderstanding of what the whole book is saying. But to be able to kind of pinpoint something down. I have to do a better script. <laughs> okay, this one. And let's move on to this one. What is your must-have ABA book? That's not the white book. Probably Catania's Learning. There, I have like a whole bookshelf. So that would be... A, if I have to only pick one, it would be that one. Maybe next time when I do like people's profile, should be you, should be my guest standing next to their bookshelf like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That should be like now. That's Looking that's Siri Ming's bookshelf. I picked just one. I mean, the the uh, the other thing I could respond with that would be you know Hayes, Barnes, Holmes, and Roach's relational frame theory. There are so many things. Depends on what you're doing. What do you need to have? Kasdan single case research design. That'd be another one. It's like, like there's a fire, a fire in your house, and you can't move. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, that would be my uh, yeah. Next time I'm gonna do that. <laughs> there's a fire in your house. What book are you gonna grab? Your kids That's out. Nice. You got everything else. What else are you gonna take? Yeah, I can. No, just see. I throw you a monkey wrench and see what you're gonna respond. So, well, I'll look up those books. I always wanted to like make a little bookshelf something on my website something like that and just point oh yeah definitely yeah then well and then someone cannot even send you the <laughs> a word file on <laughs> via skype so that might take a few years to do so but i'll get to it yeah, well we talk about serving clients so uh, let's talk about parents if there are parents coming to tell you about some diet some therapy that's not that that doesn't have much data what would you tell them i have some strong opinions about working with parents that aren't necessarily shared with everybody in the field, I think, because I think some people would say that you cannot allow that, that you need to tell them that they shouldn't do that and so on. And, and I don't work with parents that way. Um, you know, what I try to really do when I'm working with parents is understand where they're coming from. Okay. If they're coming to me with, uh, interest in doing a diet or doing some particular alternative therapy. I want to listen to that. I want to listen to what is it in 
their kids' behavior and their kids' health? What What is it that's driving this decision on their part? Is there a way that I can help them to evaluate whether or not that diet or therapy is working? I, can, I mean, I can tell you as a parent, I would do anything that I thought might have some remote chance of helping my kid if my kid had some significant needs. Um, and I am not going to tell a parent that they shouldn't or can't do something or that I won't work with them if they're going to be putting their kids in alternative therapies. I'm going to provide them with the information that I have. I'm going to tell them I'm not qualified to advise you about diet. I'm going to tell them, I think that if your child is having health problems, let's look at that. Let me work with your doctor. Let's figure out some ways that we can really objectively identify whether this diet or this therapy or whatever is helping with the things you want it to help with. Because I don't want you to waste your time and energy pursuing something unless it's working for your kid. Um, you know, I've worked with uh, you know, enough kids that do have significant health issues that I'm not going to discount health-related therapies. If you are sick or if you have some kind of a health problem, you are not able to learn <laughs> as effectively as if you are healthy. Same as if you're not sleeping, if you're not eating regularly. All of these things have an impact on learning, and our bodies are very complex things. You know, I, I listen to parents, but I also don't want them to spend effort and energy and money on something that's not working. And that's the perspective that I really come to it with. You know, let's see if it works. Obviously, if it was something that I knew could actively be harmful for a child, then I would, then I would approach that differently. You know, then I would say, you know, something more along the lines of, you know, I need to really point out to you that such, you know, whatever the research evidence is, is that this, this actually could be harmful. You know, that concerns me. What are the things, let's, let's talk about the pros and cons and the risks and benefits of this. So no, no, no bacon, no bacon diet. diet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ah, oh, man, food. We need food, so, but no bacon diet. Can you give us an example of how you apply ABA in your everyday life? I mean, it is my everyday life. I'm a parent, right? I mean, but, but at the same time, I, I tell all of my friends that are becoming parents the same thing, is that the thing that... that being a behavior analyst and being a parent means that you can analyze the ways in which you're doing everything wrong. doesn't mean you can actually change what you're doing. I'm still going to yell at you. To be more effective. But you can pinpoint and analyze all the reasons why your child is doing what they're doing and all the reasons why you're doing what you're doing doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be, you know, a super, super parent in any way. But, yeah, no, I mean, I... Be, I I, I am a radical behaviorist. I mean, the, that is how I think about the world. That is how I think about people. That is how I think about interactions and relationships and so on. Um, so, What is your biggest concern in the field? It could be training, parent training, teaching, research, funding, or... I, I think training, absolutely training is my biggest concern. And it's become, you know, more and more concerning the longer um, I'm in contact with 
kind of brand new people coming out of their degree programs, which is what my exam prep class was really about. When I first started my exam prep class, I most of the students in my class were there because they had test anxiety. They hadn't taken tests in a really long time. They wanted to brush up on sort of the stuff that they didn't use every day um, and so on. And that, that was how I had originally designed it. And um, now I have to say, the, for one, the vast majority of the people in my class, not all of them, not all of them, but, but a lot of them are retaking the exam. And a lot of them are very open with me about the fact that they feel like they did not learn basic concepts and principles in their classwork or in their supervision. And that, and that comes across, you know, um, that comes across in their questions to me, it comes across in their discussions, it comes across in the things that they're having difficulty with. And uh, it, it horrifies me that people pay money to have, you know, however many graduate level classes they need to have, you know, it's been five, it's going to be more, they probably pay money to get supervised, and yet they are in no way prepared to practice independently um, from the perspective of of understanding the analysis, right? Like they can memorize the terms and they can kind of talk the, the right talk and they know how to, you know, follow a script to do a functional assessment or they know the basic things that you need to do, but they, they can't generalize it because they don't really understand the analysis and the basic principles. Um, and so I would definitely say that's that's my biggest concern. And, you know, I always try to temper that with the idea that, well, I run an exam prep class, so I'm going to be getting the people that fail. I'm not going to be seeing all of those people that pass and all of those people that clearly were prepared. But, um, you know, the BACB just came out with its, you know, its list of which, you know, of the pass rates for different institutions and programs. And it's quite eye-opening. They're there are definitely differences, clear differences among programs. And my hope is that that kind of information will allow students to make more informed choices about where they're going to school and hold their schools more accountable. This is not a, this is a very, very difficult exam, but then with that being it said... Is, it, is, it is a difficult exam and it should be a difficult exam. But honestly, with very few exceptions, I can tell when students fail, you know, are going to fail. That, or I can tell that students who have failed, I can tell immediately that they should have failed, you know. Um, and, I, and I don't mean that to sound harsh in any way. I mean it from the perspective that I think the exam actually does a pretty decent job of discriminating people who are able, who truly understand and are able to apply basic principles of behavior analysis and those who are not. Um, and I think that, you know, I often get asked, why is the retake pass rate so low? And I think it's be partly, I, I don't know, I am not on the board, I don't have inside access to information. Not anymore. Anything to do with the exam. That was a very long time ago, and I didn't have that much information about the exam itself. And I only took it once when it was on paper. Um, but, but my feeling is that it does, 
a decent job of discriminating who understands basic principles and who doesn't. And if you don't understand basic principles, just reading the same stuff over and over again and retaking the exam is not going to help you, right? You can't just do, th do the same studying over and over again or read Cooper for the 20th time and expect to pass the exam. That's not going to do it for you. You need to change how you're studying and you need to identify what it is that you need actual work on understanding the concepts of and what you need actually what you need to work on in terms of understanding the types of questions that are on the that are on the exam. Right, because there's both parts. Both there's both those parts. It could the the exam is also probably doing a pretty good job of discriminating who's a good multiple choice test taker and who's not as well, and that's a different issue altogether. Um, and so certainly practicing with multiple choice questions and really understanding how to pick those apart and the types of things that are going to be asked is is what you need to do to overcome that hurdle. Oh, that's free money, people. She just gave you some really good tips on how to take the exam. <laughs> that's free money, people. Hey, they, oh, I should have contacted you before I took the exam. That was that would relieve some of my stress. Come on, <laughs> but I passed, so good. I did something right somehow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's take a look at some journal articles. Can you think of one that you know must read other than the first one? No seven dimensions. So what <laughs> no seven if there's fire there and you have to take another go out from your house, what would it be? Well, see, I don't think I could pick a single journal article. I have, you know, over a thousand references in my electronic journal library. So let's go um, hack her computer. What's that? Let's go hack your computer. I, I was just say I'll just I'll just it's all synced to the cloud, so I'm not worried about a fire. So what would be the first one that you want someone to, let's say, there's going to be some, me as new student, uh, a new student. I mean, that's the other question is, are we talking about a new student or we, what are, what are we actually talking about in terms of this? I mean, probably well, some like, of that newbies, BCBA or like, you know, student, newbie, BCBA. So like someone that's just like gone to the field and not quite sure what they're doing and what would you recommend them? To I do? mean, probably. I mean, for a new student, if they're working in the field of developmental disabilities, it would be, what's the name of that article on the right to eat donuts? Wow. And take a nap. Do you know that article? Sounds familiar. Man. It is a classic article from 1990. It's Bannerman, balancing, let me find it, balancing the right to habilitation with the right to personal liberties, the rights of people with, development, with developmental disabilities to eat too many donuts and take a nap. Wow. Can you send me that article? I'm going to read it tonight before I sleep. I can. Hang on. I'll Skype it to you. Uh, yeah, show off. Hang on. Let me just get it, and I will do that right now. It's, it's. I mean, in terms of just really, you're going to need to accept that. Oh, did I? Oh. It should come up with a little dialogue. Yeah, so I think it's safe as... I mean, that would be for people working in developmental disabilities, obviously. Somebody that's more of, you know, more of a new-ish grad student, I'd probably do. I'd get very, I'd get very philosophical in terms of <laughs> philosophy of science. I think more people should have a better understanding of that. 
um, would be probably the Hayes Hayes and Reese article from '88 on um, basically on scientific philosophy of science stuff in terms of uh, the title is called Finding the Philosophical Core, a review of Stephen C. Pepper's World Hypotheses. Um, but I think that one of the difficulties that consulting behavior analysts have in working with other professionals is that we as behavior analysts, whether we're able to articulate the philosophy or not, are, are functional contextualists and we have, there's a very specific set of values that goes along with that and a specific set of assumptions about what it means to, um, what it means for success in, in, in an intervention or in an analysis of something. Um, and not every professional comes from that same perspective and you know, we can, we can argue, we can argue with other professions all we like, but if we have fundamentally different views on what it means to, to have success in, in the sense of, of what is our end goal, um, we're, we're just, we're not going to come to some agreement about that, Right. Um, and Hayes talks in that article, I think, or it could be in, in the book on scientific contextualism about needing to define the overarching goals that we're working towards as a science of behavior. But we don't actually need to defend or justify those goals as somehow being the correct ones, right? Other disciplines have other goals, and that doesn't make them invalid or incorrect, um, but I think if we can recognize that and we can work with other professionals from the perspective that we're just coming from different places and we, and we need to explain where we're coming from and what we would consider to be um, a success in this case, then, then I think that goes a long way towards being collaborative. That's like you should put it as a quote and just put it somewhere. <laughs> it's true. I mean, like there's so many different people, different backgrounds and all that. Everyone thinks differently. People just learn need to learn to agree to disagree and you know think of you know do the best they can. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And we can usually find some common values and common goals, and let's let's work with those. I hate to go to an IEP meeting and then you know every p every person's arguing about something, and the meeting is for the kids. So shouldn't anything that benefits the kids should go? But no, everyone had to argue. That's always fun. Hi, yeah, yeah. Well, don't want to keep you up. Let's try to wrap it up. Okay. What is the best advice you have ever received? And on the other hand, what was the craziest request? I'd have to think a while for a crazy request. I'm sure there would be many, but nothing is coming to mind. The best advice I have ever received is from a friend of mine who is an ACT therapist. And she said that if you get up in the morning and you are just feeling overwhelmed with the amount of things that have to be done and the amount of responsibilities that you have and every, just overwhelmed with the world, then just pick one thing that seems doable and do that one thing. And that is your success for the day. True that. And can you think of the craziest request by any? 
I can't think of anything. We just have been so many things all together. Can you just take the exam for me? You look like me. No, I haven't gotten any really crazy requests from students. I don't know. Maybe maybe the reason I can't think of anything anything that's the craziest request is that for the most part, I kind of take. I don't think there are any crazy requests. I guess it's like you know, if you're making, if you're asking me something, there's a reason you're asking me this. Might still end up being a bit crazy, but you have your reasons. Last one, I the the guest said that he someone asked him to teach a kid to、uh, Turk. So he so so <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. But the power of ABA made it. There you go. So that one was really interesting. It's like we talk about ice cream and murder and Turking. That was、yeah. that was my last interview. So okay, this should be the last one. Imagine、okay. you wake up tomorrow, and all of your client population is gone. Whatever that is, your、okay. students, your the family that you work with, and but you still have all your knowledge in ABA. What would you do? What would I do for a career? Or what would I do with my life? Do I have enough money to just like go live my life and analyze everybody and every situation that I'm in? Well, I always tell my daughter that my retirement career is to be a dolphin trainer. So <laughs> I guess I would say that. Well, I just can still train dolphin. There, there's one. So what if you? That's the that you you have to. Re, what if you don't have money? Still, so, do, so I have to have a career. Yeah,、uh, let's say that I never. Th- That's no one ever said that. People just feel like I'll be a trainer. So I mean, you asked that, you 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 came up with the question. So yeah,、uh, I want your answer too. So if you have to have a career, what would it be? And you can't be a dolphin trainer. Uh, let's say they don't make that much. I don't know. I'm gonna next time I go to Sea World <laughs> ask them. Hey, how much do you get paid? But before I know that, yes, you have to answer something.、Else. I honestly don't know. Well, we just have to come back for part two. I feel. I mean, I guess. I mean, the the thing is, is that like if you're saying that that all of my client population is gone, that would mean that I, there are no more students of ABA. There's no more field of ABA. No. <laughs>、so. Time machine. Someone. Time machine going backwards. Yeah, I could be. Can I be a life coach? Does that count? Do they make money? Yeah, they're always on TV, right? right? They're always on TV. Yeah, no, I would do life coaching or something like that if I couldn't be a dolphin trainer and I had to make money. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> dolphin trainer, life coach. Dolphin trainer, life coach. Maybe I'd be a kindergarten teacher. It's like、There's、career gated, right? They still have to be taught something. Probably、That's、do that. True. All right. Wow. Follow you for over an hour, almost an hour. So, any last piece of advice, and how can we find you? Okay, so you can find me on my website, which is siriming.com. And always, my last piece of advice to all of my students is to remember to breathe. Yes. Well, thank you so much, and、uh, I know you had a busy day, and you just finished. Teaching your students and、uh, hover. Yeah. Oh, and one last piece of information would be that for the next two weeks, there's an early registration discount on my class, which makes it fifty dollars less than the regular registration. So it's three seventy-five until March thirty-first, and that's for the summer class for the August exam. I will get this added and ship it out right away so people can get a discount. 
that. Awesome. Thank you so much for getting on and teaching us a lot of things. But uh, yeah, I will come back to you with those questions. So we're gonna have a part two one of these days when when you finish. No, that would be that would be your 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 your, your dissertation gift. There to we me, go. To me. <laughs> <laughs> well. Okay. Thanks. Thank a you lot. so much. I'm gonna stop this now. All right, there you have it. She remains full. So for for those who wanted to take advantage of that, go ahead and check out her website and get the discount. And I would like you guys to leave me uh, an honest review and uh, help me promote this a little bit and get me some more experienced BCBA on board, and we can all learn from them. That's all. So. Uh, May the desired consequence be with you, Marilyn.